came out and they swirled out of there and they swirled right over your head. You're thinking, okay. <laughs> and you know, and they are, they're weird looking, aren't they? And it was, it was like smoke coming out of that. Now imagine, this is what's going to happen when he opens the bumpers. But the, the smoke, I believe it's the smoke of Hades. It's, it's the, the hell, not, not the permanent hell, but, and it's the abode of, uh, of these demons that, that have been trapped. When you read in Peter, and you read that when, when Christ, after his death, I don't have this in the notes, but after his death, I just thought about it. He goes and he, he speaks to those demons that have been in prison there from the time of Noah. And they, they, that might have been the people who, in Genesis, when the sons of God intermarried with the daughters of men, and they left their first estate and then were in prison. So they've been in prison in this abyss until the day of judgment. But there's others added to it. I think over the period of time, others have been added to it. Other demons have been added to the abyss. You remember when, when Jesus were going to cast the demons out of the herd of pigs, and they said, don't send us to the abyss See, they knew about it. They knew that there'd be a trap there. But they asked, they said, no, he wasn't going to cast the demons out of the herd of pigs. He was going to cast the demons out of the man. And they said, allow us to go into the herd of pigs. Remember that? And, and then they drove the pigs off the cliff. And my initial thought was years ago, well, they killed themselves. But the demons didn't kill themselves. They still had free reign. And so, but see, there, so there's demons entrapped in this abyss. And, and Satan is going to release them. The Lord allows him, gave him the key, and allows him to release them. And they're going to then be a part of the judgment upon the earth. Verse 3, Out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. I... I thought about when we're followers of Christ, he blesses us. Now, we may, we may be martyred. We may die for our faith. You know, but the, the blessing is, is that he allows that and has purpose in it. And we dwell with him eternally after that and, and, and even be rewarded for that. So the blessing is, is that he has us in his hand and nothing happens to us that he doesn't allow. But the followers of Satan are tormented by Satan himself. Sin is its own punishment and, and without the Lord judging it. Sin destroys peace and joy. And it may be, we, we understand the Bible says that it, it, it may be okay for a season, but it, it's only for a season, but it, it, bring, it just destroys us. Sin destroys us. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth what? Death. It brings forth death. Well, while it's in the process, it, it is killing our soul. It is killing our spirit. It is killing our relationships. It is killing our joy. It, sin, 
sin destroys us. And it can even do that we are Christ. It can't destroy us eternally, but it can destroy our peace. It can destroy our joy. It can destroy uh, our, our effectiveness and honoring the Lord. It can destroy uh, our, the generations who follow us, uh, even though it can't take our soul if we belong to Christ. And so sin is destructive. Sin torments. And this is visualized. This is visualized here by these scorpions that torment men for five months. They're like locusts. They're described here as we go a little further. And you say, are, are these real? I think they're real. I think when John tries to describe them, what he's doing, he's, he's trying to describe something he's never seen before. He's trying to describe something he has no word for. I, I read in the news that this is going to be the year the Cadia has come back. Have you read that? And remember the, the bugs that come out of the ground and they chirp all the time and, you know, you hear them like a buzzing. And, you know, and they're on the trees and they leave their shells there. And so this is the year they said they're coming back. And they talked about the, the millions of them that are going to come back. They're already started back up in the south. And, and probably as weather warms here, they'll come, come here. Of course, we've had a drought, so maybe not. But imagine that. Imagine those. And then... Turn them into the size of a person. Turn them into the size of a person. Turn them into something that's this high. And when, they're, when John is writing about a locust plague, everyone who was reading in that day understood what a locust plague was like. In fact, even into the 50s, the Middle East had a locust plague that covered hundreds and hundreds of square miles. And, and they devour everything. They, they eat the leaves. They eat the stalk. That they eat the root, they eat everything. And, and so uh, some of you may have been old enough to remember some grasshopper plagues that have come. I can remember being over um, in New Mexico one time, and you, you, just, you just stepped on them. We were on a golf course, my, my father-in-law, you just stepped on them. You, they were everywhere. They, when your ball hit the ground, it squashed them, had, the blood, had blood on your ball. <clears throat> <laughs> Too bad we didn't eat them back then. <clears throat> we didn't know they were a delicacy. So, But imagine this. See, I can't imagine this. I can't imagine that then people are going to be tormented with the stings for five months. Everyone who doesn't have the seal of God. Now, the people who belong to Christ, not just the 144,000 Jews who have been sealed, but everyone who belongs to Christ has been sealed. Go back to the Old Testament when, when the Jews were in captivity in Egypt and, and the Lord sent Moses to, to lead them out. And when the plagues came and Moses would say that this is going to happen. And it happened to the Egyptians, but the Jewish people were spared. And when the fleas came or the lice came or... Uh, you know, even when the death of the firstborn, because the Jews put the the blood mark, they put the seal of God, uh, grace on the door on the doorpost. So they the Jews were spared, but they were spared the other things. Too. They were spared the frogs, the flint, you know, that the lice. They were spared the bulls that came. And this is what happens here. Everyone who has the seal of God, everyone who's come to faith in Christ, they may be martyred by. The regime, but they're not hurt by these scorpions. 
Imagine the testimony of that, that you're in a neighborhood, and in your neighborhood or in your family, there are people who are being tormented by these, and, and it's an anguish to the place they want to die. And, uh, and yet they cannot, they're not going to be allowed to die. They can't commit suicide, they can't do anything to take their own life to escape this torment. And, and God is teaching them that there is a judgment worse than this coming. And you need to repent. There's a judgment worse than this. And, and, and then they see the people who are sealed by the Spirit of God, and they're, they're not being tormented. And hopefully those people are preaching. I, I'm sure they will be. They'll be testifying to, to the grace of God. I read verse 6, and I thought about it. There was a man in our church some years ago, and... Uh, he had a, I can't think of the name of the syndrome he had, but it affects your, it affects your tongue. And he, he told me, as it got worse for him, he said, the medical people call this the suicide disease. He said, because it comes to place, there's nothing they can do to control it, to stop the pain. You can't swallow, you can't, you can't drink. It's trouble to breathe. And he said... I'm to the place I want to take my life. He said, it is unbearable. It's unbearable. I wish I'd think of the name of it. I'll look it up one of these days. I just thought about that. And imagine the, the pain and the torment of that, that you want to take your life, and then you, you can't take your life. I want to read, uh, you know, we're in this pandemic coming out of it, hopefully. I want to read this, what uh, John Phillips had to say about de- demons and, and the demonic, um, and we're going to see this through all this chapter. So John Phillips wrote this, and the book was published in 1970, so that's 50 years ago. And he may have written it before that, but it was published 50 years ago. He said, modern man professes not to believe in demons, but they exist just the same. Moreover, they are clever with their diabolical cunning. Man's attitude toward the demon world may well be likened to man's attitude in the dark ages toward bacteria. If we could be transported back to London in the year 1666, we would find ourselves in a nightmare world. The great bluebonic plague was at its height. The The sights and sounds of the city are like the terrible climax of a horror movie. It is generally believed at that time, that fresh air is the culprit. The College of Physicians recommended the frequent firing of guns to blow away the deadly air. People seal themselves in their rooms and burn foul-smelling messes to ward off the fresh air. Chimneys are sealed, rooms are gray with smoke, and people choke in the suffering stench. Outside, palls of black smoke hang over the city, people sit in tightly sealed chambers, grimly determined to endure the smarting smoke, convinced that they would then be immune to the plague. We tell them that they are wrong, that the plague is not caused by fresh air, but by germs, by microscopic organisms spread by fleas and rats, and they laugh us to scorn. Modern man has adopted a similar attitude toward the demon world. We tell them that the world is in the grip of Satan and that he has countless hosts of invisible demons to aid him in his dark designs against mankind. We say that these unseen beings are intelligent 
and that before long they are to be joined by countless more of their kind worse than themselves. People look at us with pitying scorn and suggest we peddle our theories to the publishers of science fiction. Isn't that interesting? I, I, I always know about the bluebonnet plague or the black plague, it's called, but I didn't know that the College of Physicians thought it was caused by fresh air. <laughs> Some things never change, is that, isn't that true? So, <clears throat> when we read the description, then we'll just read it, and I, I won't comment because I don't really know what to say. But verse 7, the shape of the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like, like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings were like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. And Abaddon and Apollyon means destroyer. Whichever language, it means destroyer. I think it's Satan. Some people disagree, think it's just a demonic angel. One of the maybe fallen, um, powerful angels. Either way... The plague is the same, and either way, the plague is going to be very terrible upon, upon the earth. I, I, th- I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, John Phillips wrote that some 50 years ago, and I was thinking about it in our time. I have never watched a television show that has to do with zombies. I've never watched a movie that has to do with zombies. But I read, and I see that it's been very prevalent in the last few years. I'm not going to ask you if you watch them. It may be entertaining. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, or it wouldn't be so many of them. You know, and I just think about it. One day, they're going to actually see some zombies, but it's going to be demonic zombies and, and not their dead. I started I start to say mother-in-law, but this is Mother's Day, so I don't want to use that. But, but do you understand? The, and... and our world is being prepared. Our world is being prepared, and we're being so fooled by demonic activity, we don't even know it. And so I, I want you to understand how serious that this is going to be in that day. Thankfully, we who know Christ are going to escape it. We're, not, we're going to be watching it from heaven. We're going to see it, and we're going to see those we know and maybe have a burden for but we're going to be watching it from heaven. So now we get to the sixth trumpet. So the sixth trumpet. And this is another woe that's taken place. Verse 12, one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. This is the commentary given by the Holy Spirit saying it's bad and it's going to be bad. Verse 13, then the sixth angel sounded... And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Isn't that astounding? These four angels 
Some people think they're good, but good angels are not bad. So these are wicked, powerful angels who have been bound, and they have been bound until this time. And when we read that phrasing in verse 15, they've been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and year. It means that they have been prepared for this exact time. See, the Bible, God has a timetable. He's working it. It's exact. It's not changed by circumstances. It's not changed by how we respond. It's not changed by what the world does or who they elect. Or It's not changed by anything. God's working his timetable. And these angels have been bound for this exact time. And that's, how, that, that, that's why he does that. It can't be any plainer that this is the exact time. And, and they have been bound there, and they have been prepared to kill a third of mankind. You know, we read that in just a few words, and that is so astounding. Now remember, in this tribulation time already, I want you to divide the, the earth's population into four quarters. One, two, three, four, okay? And already, one-fourth has been killed. All right, so now we have three-fourths. One, two, three. And when he and these angels kill one-third of those, what's left? One-half. So one-half of the earth's population by this time is going to be destroyed. And probably more than that, through the wars, see, that's not even counting the, through the wars and uh, uh, all the things that are taking place and the plagues and the famine and, and the uproar and a third of the earth being destroyed and people are going to starve to death. Um, so when the, when the supply chain is so disrupted, pe- people are going to die, um, especially in third world countries and probably here even in, in, in the U.S., people are going to die. It's interesting to me this past week that there's been sabotage on the pipeline taking diesel and, and fuels up into the northeast. Have you read about that? And, and so, you know, even the government's concerned about that. Now, they hate petroleum, but they actually want some. So they're concerned about it getting there to people. But see, we, re- we realize how precarious, even our lives, we're, we're wealthy people, but our lives are precarious all the time. And, and all, all, all that has to happen is the Lord take his hand of, of grace off and chaos ensues. Man does his wickedness. How did that happen? Some one person or two people or a group of people set in a computer terminal and decided we will sabotage this pipeline and laugh at the results. And we will show people how powerful we are and maybe we will ransom some money from them. And see, that's evil at work. They don't think about what they destroy. They don't think about uh, that they destroy schools and, or destroy the function uh, and the daily operation of schools and hospitals and and, and, and people who need to get to work and all those things, they don't think about that. They think about what can I get out of it, the power that I might have. See, that's the world we live in, and no one is protected. I used to think, even a few years ago, I used to think that when the chaos comes to countries, the wealthy people, which is us, we still have a measure of protection that third world country people don't. I mean, if you're having to go to the city center and get your water 
and haul it to your house in a five-gallon bucket or, or jug every day, and that's how you survive. And you go to the meat market if you have the money, and you buy fresh meat. You don't have a refrigerator. You don't have electricity. And, and when, when, when you struggle, when, when chaos comes, actually the truth is our chaos is going to be worse than those people because they're not dependent upon electricity. They're not dependent upon, uh, they're not dependent upon computers. And they're, they're, they're dependent upon today, and this is what we can do with our hands, and this is what other people do with their hands. They may be better off than we are. Because we're totally dependent upon computers, are we not? And I'm I'm not saying they're bad. I mean, I'm glad. I have one in my pocket, you know, and I'm glad. And so, but at the same time, it creates our vulnerability and it can go away in a moment. That's just really interesting to me, isn't it? Plant a garden. (laughs) Dig a well, you know, so... So the trumpet, the, the sixth trumpet sounds, I forgot how far down I had read. Okay. And, okay, down through 15, thank you. And that, verse 16. Now the number of the army, the horsemen, was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Some people think that this is China's army. Some years ago, it was published that they could put in the field a 200 million man army. I don't think this is China's army or the Eastern army that's going to be seen in the Armageddon. See, Armageddon is still out in the future from this time. I think this is a demonic herd that comes helping these four angels who are bound and are loosed. And this is the demonic army that's going to destroy a third of mankind. Um, I think that's what this is, that's my opinion, and, and you can interpret it differently. But listen to what he says in verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hikethah blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. And I think when you read those, you're reading John's trying to describe modern warfare. John having never seen a a Gatling gun, John having never seen anything like an attack helicopter, atomic explosion, he'd he'd never seen, so he's trying to describe what's happening, and and I, and it may not be anything correct, what I'm saying might not be correct at all, it might simply be that he is describing demons as he sees them literally presented before him, and I, I think it's a little bit of both, I think these are demons, and they have fire that go out of their mouth, and they have power in their tails to destroy I, I think it is both. It, it could be modern warfare. It could be modern warf- warfare that's inherent in the body of the demon. Uh, again, it could be just anything. But I do believe it's real. It, it is not, this is not symbolism. This is reality. John is describing reality. 
And verse 18, and by these, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke of the brimstone which came out of their mouth. Okay, and we come down to verse 19, where their power is, and um, verse 20. But the rest of mankind, so the other half of mankind before the tribulation started. So today would be three and a half billion people or let's say 3 billion people, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, again, I'm going to give you my opinion. In my opinion, this is the cutoff. In my opinion, nobody on earth gets saved past this time. Uh, I, 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 think it were, I think we're right to the end of the tribulation period. I think all during that tribulation period, there are people who are sealed by God, which means they come to faith in Christ. So they come to faith in Christ, and I, I, I think I, I mentioned to you last week that if you, if you think about people who've never heard the gospel and they've struggled to survive, and when they hear the good news, the gospel is good news, the good news of Christ, that you can have eternal life, you can be at peace with God, that you can have um, forgiveness of your sin. They accept it. I mean, they accept it in droves. They accept it, and where modern American people will not accept it, because Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom that is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, and that's not hyperbole. That is actually what he was saying. He's talking about a real camel, a real sewing needle. And he's saying, it's a, and, and the disciples understood it. They said, that's impossible. And Jesus said, you're absolutely right. It is impossible except by the Spirit of God. So I think when the tribulation, I think there are going to be millions and millions of people who come to faith in Christ. I think they're going to think we have no hope other than Christ. And you say, well, that's self-centeredness. That's our nature. Our nature is self And and so God won't turn you away if you come to him out of your own self-centeredness. He will not turn you away. And you can't bargain with him, but you can certainly be saved. And I think there'll be millions of people. But I think it comes to a cutoff time, and I think this is it. I think when we come to this trumpet time and we read these words, it is over that they will no longer repent. And you know, when we read this, in, in verse 20 and 21, where the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and wood, which can neither see nor hear. And they did not repent, now listen to this, of their murders of their sorceries, which is drugs and witchcraft, of their sexual immoralities, which drives mankind. Sexual immorality drives mankind today. We see that, uh, we see that very plainly today. Um, it, it's, it's being worked out in public, in our newspaper. I'm not talking about you see people naked. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying that you see the gender issues, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, uh, and it's going to go beyond that. 
polygamy and then polyamory, amory, polyamory, which means you can have three men and a baby. Or, you know, you can, so you, you have all that is being worked out, and we see it. And maybe even some of the people that we know and love. And then we, we see that, and it's all being worked out. But when we read verse 20, they're not repenting of their murders, their sorceries, all the drug use, all the, the witchcraft, all, all these things, and their sexual immorality, and their thefts. We see just a little bit of this. That's called anarchy. It means that you read the book of Judges, there's no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own side. Everybody did what they could get away with. And we're seeing that in our society already, are we not? We're seeing it pop up, and it can't be sustained at this point. But when the restraining hand of God is gone, it is going to be total anarchy. And that is scary, is it not? That is very scary, and we have seen that, that that is very possible, but very possible. You know, today there are people who say, well, my sin doesn't hurt anyone. My sin, you know, my sexual sin, my, my sin doesn't hurt anyone. But that's a lie. See, again, we're God's people. This is God's world. This is his creation, and if I sin against God, it affects you. Whether you're, whether you're directly or there, it's like, a, it's like a pebble in the ocean. It creates a ripple that displaces the whole ocean. And my sin affects you. Yours affects me. Mine affects the, the society. And so it, 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 you can't, you know, you, you can't just say, and you're, we're going to see that to the ninth degree. It's just going to be a, a, a terrible time. Um, by this time, People on earth are going to have heard from the 144,000 sealed Jewish evangelists. They're going to have heard from the two witnesses who, who witnessed uh, from Jerusalem. We've, we read about that. They're supernaturally protected. We'll read about that in chapter 11 in a couple of weeks. Uh, again, it's already taken place, but we had not read about it yet. And they're going to have heard from the angel who flies through the heavens proclaiming the gospel that happens, we're going to read about that in chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. But it's already happened. We haven't read about it yet, but it's already happened. And, and they have heard the gospel. Everyone, every nation, tribe, tongue, race, everyone has heard the gospel from one of those three agencies or from someone who is sealed by the Spirit of God. So everyone is without excuse. At that point in time, everyone, I'm talking about everyone, not just and today we say, well, the world's heard about the gospel. We're talking about there's been some kind of witness to some kind of people group, but not to every single person. But at this point in time, every single person who's alive on earth has heard the gospel, and it is over. There, there is no more repentance. There is no more salvation. They give themselves to the wickedness that is now prevalent, and they hate God. They will not repent. That is, so, that is so strong, and it is so sad, but it is the righteous judgment of God. I'm going to give you a little bit of John Piper, okay? So <clears throat> this is not my wisdom. This is John Piper. We would never know the depth of the love of God, the breadth of of the love of God 
had there not been sin and repentance and forgiveness and the wrath of God. You know what I was saved from? I wasn't saved from myself. Now, that's a byproduct, but I wasn't saved from myself. I was saved from the wrath of God. My sin was against God. I violated His holiness. I rebelled against Him. Sinners are in rebellion against God. That's what the Bible teaches, isn't it? That's what we read in Ephesians. That you are the enemy of God because you're a rebel. You will not submit to His majesty and His His sovereign rule over your life. He is God. He is the creator. He sustains your life. He deserves your worship. And when you don't give it, you're a rebel. Now, I'm adding to what Piper says, but I'm giving you me and Piper. So you're, you're a rebel and you deserve judgment. So what I'm saved from is the wrath of God. What you're saved from is the wrath of God. Now, to some degree, I'm saved from the curse of my own sinfulness as well. And I, I, so that's a byproduct. But the wrath of God then is seen as holy. When, when we're reading this, and I, I'm, I'm you, I don't do this, I, I, I'm burdened about teaching this. When we read this, that half the population of the earth, three, three billion people are going to be massacred, and they're going to go to hell and burn eternally in hell. And yet I understand biblically that they deserve it. I deserved it. You deserved it. And they wouldn't repent. They they wouldn't repent. You and I repented, and we repented by the grace of God, not because we had enough wisdom, but because the Spirit of God spoke to our heart and opened our understanding. We saw our need. We saw His forgiveness, and we, and we accepted it. And, and when we read this, and, and, and I want you to know when you're reading this and you see the wars and the plagues and the devastation and, and the destruction of half the world's population, I don't want you, I don't want you to think less of God. We need to think more of God. God has shown His patience for 2,000 years. God, God has shown his patience ever since the world crucified his son, and God has shown his patience toward the world that all might be saved. And, and, and so, but God's wrath is part of his holiness. God's wrath is manifest. Uh, it's a manifestation of his love. And if you can grasp that, it will help you to honor God in your thoughts and honor God in your response when you read these things that are so horrific. Could God stop this? Sure. Could, could, he, could he let people off scot-free? Sure. But would he be righteous? And the answer is no. I, I don't want murderers who have no, I'm not talking about repentance or remorse, but I don't, want, I don't want people who have no conscience and I don't want them roaming the streets. Do you, do you want the penitentiaries open today and every murderer set free? Now, some of them probably have repented. Some of them probably have trusted in Christ. We read about those anecdotally and I'm for that. But when, when we 
See, again, we, we want the wrath of God to be appropriated properly. And it's going to be. So you remember that. It is to His glory and it is to the credit of His love. But it's a terrible time. They did not repent. What is described here is just anarchy. So they've heard the gospel. God's patience has run out. Hebrews 10.31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing. Here's the last thing I want to say to you this morning about this passage, and then we'll, we'll go to church. The Apostle Paul taught us in Corinthians, and it's a couple places in Psalms, that uh, those who worship any other thing than God are worshiping demons. So Paul said behind all idolatry are actually the people are worshiping demons because idolatry is demonic. Idolatry means that I have made an idol out of what we read here. Um, I'm going to go back to verse 20. So look at verse 20. For the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of these things. The work of their hands... Now, they could have created a statue, but that's not limited to that. The work of their hands is their own worth, their own place in, in the world, their own fame, their own, their own self-worth, the work of their hands, uh, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They did not repent of their murderers, so here's their spirit, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So whatever in our world today that we put in the place of God, whatever mankind individually have put in the place of God, even religion, we, we put religion in the place of God. There are so many religions today, including Baptists. There are so many Baptists today who have denied the inerrant infallibility of the inspired Word of God. And they have changed it to meet the culture. That is idolatry. And behind idolatry is demons. That is demonic. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that is demonic. And, and, and they're ruling and they're influencing our whole world. They're influencing the... the a lot of religion, a religion that, that dishonors God by saying your word is not infallible and inerrant and inspired and I will change it to mean what I think it want, what I think I want it to mean. That's idolatry. It's demonic. There's demons behind that. I think of the sexual revolution in, in, in churches today. You know, they're, they're Baptist churches and I'm talking about us, they're Baptist, not us here, but I'm talking about we are Baptists. They're Baptist churches who are endorsing same-sex marriage. They're endorsing, uh, uh, what do you call it, gender identity. Uh, they're endorsing uh, homosexuality. They're, and they're endorsing it to the place that they have pastors who do that. They, they, they do marriages. Uh, of that. They're, they're endorsing it to that place. And... So what they've done is that they've created an idol 
And the idol is their own understanding. And their idol is their own desire. And that is demonic. There are demons behind that. And it's scary. um, Because demons don't present themselves publicly. What we're reading here, they're going to one day. But at that point, today they're not. And they're behind this. And it is creating chaos in our society. I listened to Al Moyer, and Al Moyer, who's the president of the Southern Seminary, and he reported this week. I didn't read it in any of the newscasts because news people don't want to report it. But he reported this week that the Catholic Archbishop of San Francisco said that, and, and this is not a political statement, this is a news statement, but he said that uh, President Joe Biden, nor Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, should be able to receive communion from the Catholic Church because of their public promotion of abortion. And and so he's not saying that if you've had an abortion, ladies, that you can't receive communion or be forgiven. But he's saying because of their public promotion of abortion that they should not receive communion. Now this is their own Catholic Church. They both are professing Catholics what they call practicing Catholics, and, and yet, so what is behind their, it's, it's demonic. Now, I'm not saying they're possessed by a demon. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. There are they're plenty of Republicans. I could talk about the Republicans. So this is not political. This is just an indication to see where we are. This is our leadership in, in our nation, and our, our leadership is demonically influenced, I'm demonically influenced, you're demonically influenced. We're not controlled by demons, but we're influenced. And because they, they get us to believe anything that's not the truth of God's Word. They get us to believe what we want to believe instead of what God has said to us about our lives and about our following Him and about the discipline of our own selves and, and we don't like doing that, and so we give in to that. Very evident today that many worship what is described here, personal power and wealth, and behind it all is it's demonic. The goal is to destroy the work and plan of God by destroying all hope of salvation uh, for as many as they can lead astray. Satan's plan from the creation and his fall has always been to lead man astray that he would not be saved and that he might thwart the plan of God. You go through the Bible, you see it over and over. Satan tries to thwart the plan of God. He's still doing it today, but when we read in Revelation, it will not be thwarted. God's plan will come to fruitation. We're living in these times that I think is interesting and scary. It's interesting because we see it, we're seeing the end time being worked out. I'm not prophesying how long it's going to be. I'm saying we're seeing it worked out in politics. We're seeing it worked out in, in religion. We're seeing it worked out in economics. We're seeing it worked out in every facet of life. And if you open your eyes to see it and you're looking for it, you will see it as well. When you read the news, you will see it. And, and I think it's very interesting, but it's also very scary to me as well, because I have grandchildren, and they're going to be 
making decisions about life and following Christ, and it's going to be more difficult for them than it was for me. And that, that scares me as we go forward. Next week, when we get to chapter 10, I'm going to just give you a little preview. When we get to chapter 10, there's going to be a little book. An angel has a little book, and he gives it to John. And, and I think it illustrates what I'm just talking to you about now. He says that I want you to eat it, and it's going to be sweet in your mouth, but it's going to make your belly bitter. And, and I think what that means, and we'll deal with it next week, what that means is what I've just said. I think it's very interesting where we are today, but it's very scary. It's very, very sweet, because I see the hand of God. I see the hand of God. Now, I, I, I don't try to see in every, I don't try to see when I go to lunch today whether I eat chicken or eat pork. I don't, that's not the hand of God. You understand? I don't go crazy. But what I do see is I see it in our, our national politics. I see it in our, 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 I see it in our entertainment. I see it in our economy. I see it in our dependence upon the things of the world. I, I see it in myself and my, my own uh, dependence upon uh, worldly things and desire for worldly things, and I, I see it. And I see it in our world at work today, and at the same time, some of the things that are ha- are sweet to me. I, it's sweet to see God at work, but at the same time, it's bitter because of the anguish and pain and death and destruction that's coming. And I hope it is to you as well, because. When we pray about that, you remember Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be rewarded. If I mourn for the people, and I mourn for what's happening, God will bless that. God will bless those prayers. Our prayers should be, God, reveal yourself in glory to those who are so needy to know you. Those are the prayers that he answers. Okay, pray with me and we'll go to church. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, uh, there are hard things here, and we uh, need to think hard to understand them and appropriate them. But Father, we thank you that uh, you are uh, know you're, you're working at your plan. You're knowing exactly what you're doing, and you're to be trusted and you're to be glorified. And that's our desire to to do this. Let us be people who mourn what is going to happen, and yet, Lord, see the sweetness of um, Lord your faithfulness to what you reveal to us in Scripture. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Lord bless you. We'll see you in church. Happy Mother's Day.